Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, what's up, folks? Welcome back to another edition of Football Theory. I am Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pleased to be joined by the coach. He's got a lot of accomplishments on his resume. I'll try to do him justice. Played college football at Abilene Christian. Also coached there for two separate stints. He was a fullback when he played the game, but most notably has been a great high school coach in the state of Texas in uh, Capel, Brownwood, Belton, Rotan, uh, Burnett. I mean, he's been all over the place. Also, he was on the UT staff for multiple stints as an analyst at one time, uh, five different five seasons on the UT staff with different regimes. Also, uh, Coach Now, you can find his work at ShipleyRanches.com. It is Coach Bob Shipley. What's going on, Coach? Hey, not much. You all right? Oh, man. I, I, I'm, I'm battling through. I think I turned the corner like last night. For those who don't know, I had wisdom teeth surgery. I had to have all my wisdom teeth removed, all four of them. And I actually had five teeth removed because I had a um, basically my wisdom teeth started growing in sideways yeah. at 40 something, which is rare. My mom, my dad, my brother all have their wisdom teeth still. My wife still has hers. I assumed I was in the clear, but no, turns out my dentist told me that I won the bad lottery. Yes, he said, I've always said, I think Dr. Ecker said he's been doing this two decades and he had only one other patient who had their wisdom teeth grow in after 40 years old. So there you go. Oh, wow. Hey, I know. I wish I could have won that. You know, my genetics, that's a that's a weird genetic thing. But yet I'm only five, eight. And, you know, hey, I, I, I need some height. I need some kind of genetic mutation, not the genetic mutation that causes my wisdom teeth to grow at 40. But that's okay. We got to take it care of. Coach. We got to take it care of. You don't have anything else growing, do you? I hope, man. You know what? I I, I hope not, because I don't know if I can do this again, man. That that rocked my world a little bit right there. Uh, uh, all right, coach. There's a lot going on in the Ford Acres. Uh, coach Sark actually addressed the media, and I want to get to some of his comments. He's also uh, created a new position on the Ford Acres, and I think it's really interesting. Got to get your thoughts about it because you know the new general manager at the University of Texas, and that's a new title. Uh, Brandon Harris named the general manager at Texas after uh, they changed up the recruiting department a little bit. We'll get into some of the details of that. Also, I want to get coaches' thoughts about Sark's comments that several of his coaches, almost all of his coaches, he said, were actually uh, being, uh, they, they were being, uh, trying, they were trying to be lured away by other schools. Uh, that almost all of his coaches at one point had an offer from another school or from another football program organization because people like what they're seeing at Texas. So we'll talk about coaches and organizations, programs, poaching uh, the Texas coaching staff, uh, which is something I think you have to worry about more and more if Sark has success. We'll also get into some of the basic common uh, creative concepts between Steve Sarkeesian and Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan, of course, lifetime Longhorn, one of my good friends, but also a good friend of Steve Sarkeesian. And Steve Sarkeesian has openly talked about his admiration for the Shanahan coaching tree and for the Shanahan offenses and those concepts. And I happen to know that, that there are several concepts, several ideas that Steve Sarkeesian has taken to heart offensively after learning about them 
in his time in Atlanta after following Kyle Shanahan. And even to this day, some of these concepts are concepts you can still see in the Sark offense. Actually, they're heavily influenced by my man Shano, and I think that's important. We'll get into that too. Before we get started, let's give a shout out to our sponsor, Laura Baker. Football Theory is brought to you by Accomplished Austin Realtor Laura Baker and the Andy Allen team at Keller Williams. They can handle all of your real estate needs in the Austin area. Laura is not only a diehard Longhorn fan, but a longtime Austin real estate expert. Give her a shout today at 512-784-0505. That's 512-784-0505. All right, that is how you reach out to Laura Baker uh, and the Andy Allen team at Keller Williams. And thank you very much to Laura Baker for supporting football theory. All right, coach, I want to get your thoughts about the shakeup in the recruiting department for Texas. Uh, Sark, not only uh, because of the loss of Billy Glasscock, who left Texas to become the general manager at Ole Miss, um, and that's the uh, that was the second, I believe, general manager position that had been created in college football. Texas now makes the third uh, major college football program to create a general manager position at Texas. Before we get started about Brandon Harris and him being the new general manager, what are your thoughts about there just being a general manager period at the college level? What are your thoughts about that being the new norm potentially? Well, it is, there, there's a business aspect to the, to the business that we haven't had before NIL and, you know, transfer Portland, you know, you just, it takes more behind the scenes work now on the staff so that the staff can do what they do best. And that is coach. Um, so I'm, I haven't talked to Brandon. I, I've texted him. But I haven't haven't talked to him. Uh, I know he's got a lot of things going on right now, and I'm the last thing probably he, he wants to talk to. But but I, I, I would be interested to know, uh, you know, exactly what that job description is as opposed to the chief of staff. You know, you've got the chief of staff, and now you've got the general manager. Yeah. Um, but I really think that Brandon um, – you know, he, he came in, uh, Tom Herman had recruited him uh, at Ohio State. He wound up going to LSU. And then uh, I guess they, uh, what, they hook up at Houston, maybe. Uh, he was at, yeah, I know he was at LSU. And I think after that, he kind of got into, yeah, like coaching at, right after yeah, college. He came he didn't in. Waste he, any time. He came in in 2018 or 19, I think, with us. And uh, anyway, great guy, great personality, very outgoing. Uh, he's a go-getter. He's a hard worker. He's innovative in his uh, the way he, he sees things, and and um, I think uh, you know with the NIL coming in, he saw that as an opportunity, you know, for him maybe to fill a niche that I mean it's not like you can you know get on the phone and call somebody that has experience with that. Nobody had experience with that, exactly. so that's why I think a homegrown guy like him who learned it from the the just the birth of NIL with the program and how it's worked is it's great to have a guy on staff who is your contact person who can, I'm not saying that's all he does. Obviously there's a lot more that, that he does, but that's one thing that he could take off the staff's the coach's plate and uh, they've got a reference to their NIL stuff and all their mm -hmm. staff meetings and so forth. But uh, I think it's a great move. I think it's just shows that uh, where this, uh, this business is going. It is a business, you know, it is a business. more, more yep. like a pro football team. And so uh general manager hands think, you know, is going to handle things that they haven't had to handle before. 
And and Brandon, for those who don't know, Brandon Harris named the general manager. Uh, John Michael Jones uh, is actually now the director of player personnel. He's the one that actually officially replaces Billy Glasscock. Then it's Taylor Serrells. Uh, director of recruiting and Kendall Perry. She's the director of recruiting operations. And I imagine, Coach, some of these folks was John Michael Jones on the staff when you were John, there too. John, we we go back a long way. Wow. Okay. Uh, Give me a little John background Michael, on John Michael Jones. Yeah. Since he was a freshman in college, uh, hmm. 2013. Wow. He hired, hired John Michael as a uh, recruiting intern, a student, a student worker, basically. He's a guy. I'll tell you a funny story about uh, John Michael. He. He, uh, I, I told this on uh, coffee and football a couple days yesterday, I think it was, but uh, with Bobby. But uh, he he came in and we're trying to show him the ropes, you know, how we do, how we evaluate kids and all that stuff. Because I was a defensive analyst, but I was also very involved with the with the recruiting department. My, in fact, okay. I officed with the recruiting department. Mm-hmm. And uh, John Michael said, "Hey, I want you to take a look at this kid." So uh, he turns on the film, and I'm watching. And I go, I watch about. Two minutes, not even that much. I say that guy wouldn't play on my flag football team. And <laughs> get something straight with you right here. If this is the kind of player you think that we can have at the University of Texas, then maybe you need to go on over to another department, maybe sociology or something. You know, where you can make everybody happy. Okay. <laughs> you ain't gonna cut it in this business. He just died. He was on the floor. And <laughs> That's me when I was in high school. I said, oh no! Yeah. Yeah, he said, I, I just wanted to get your professional opinion. I said, well, there you yeah. have it, man. I hope I didn't hurt your feelings too much. Get out of here. Yeah, that he is was, fantastic. He was he was kind of playing a, a joke on me. but uh, Oh, man. I have uh, more of a background with him than, than you know, any probably anybody in the program at this point. Wow. Because we work so closely together with uh, on Mac staff, and then uh, he just worked his way up. He – graduated and they created a spot for him and he just he just slowly moved up and has done a great job one of the things that he helped us with immensely is our walk-on program okay and uh when i when i came back with tom herman i was in charge of the walk-on program and so john michael uh had a vision for the walk-on program and he said i want to i want to help you if i can And and i'm like yes absolutely what do you got and so anyway he uh he came in I, again. I told this story yesterday morning uh, with Bobby, but he, he came in and uh, said, "I've got I've got a list of uh, I've got a list of candidates because when you're recruiting walk-ons at the University of Texas, they have to get into school on their own academic merit. You can't pull any strings and get them in anymore. You, yep. you have, they have to get in school on their own, and if they do, then you can, you know." evaluate them and that's the way they used to do it they used to say well if you get in school let me know you want to walk on here texas prior to john michael was not proactive in recruiting walk-ons john michael flipped that around and as a result got jet bush and and other walk-ons uh that have been contributors because of the way he did it but anyway it was ingenious what he did i don't want to take too much time with this but he, he wound up going and looking at every um service academy coach wow. and their social media and what athletes they were following hmm. and then did the same thing with the ivy league schools the ivy league coaches who their recruiting coordinators were following and so we did not have the manpower to go in because it, it's a neat it's a it's a it's a needle in a haystack yeah. because 
it doesn't matter how good a player they are. It doesn't matter if they want to come to Texas. Can they get in academically? Yeah. And so John Michael figured, well, let's let the Ivy League schools and the service academies do the homework on them. And if if they pass, you know, their standards of, of academics, yeah. then then we'll then we knew that the coaches would follow them and be actively recruiting them. Mm. So that's how we got our recruiting database. That's wow. Of outside the box thinker that John Michael was, and that was just oh. amazing to me. And uh, I bragged on him every every time I I could talk to anybody. I bragged about John Michael because that was so innovative and creative. And then we started actively recruiting those guys, bringing them in for games, giving them tickets to games, and uh, you know letting the hostess show them around and stuff, and just you know being being proactive on recruiting them. And we felt like that if we had a kid that had a an FCS offer, maybe but he didn't have an FBS offer that he would rather walk on at Texas than go play at, you know, maybe Stephen F. Austin or, you know, Abilene Christian or one of these other schools. Um, and sure enough, we had guys that came in that had offers from smaller schools, but wanted to come take their shot at Texas. And so, uh, and so I would brag on him a lot. He'd say, coach, you don't have to do that. I, I don't need that. I don't want that. You, I'll, I just want to win. That's all I want to do. I want to win. And so uh, that's the kind of attitude, you know, that he brings to that position. And uh, I think he's, uh, again, very innovative, incredibly intelligent, very smart, obviously not very athletic. (laughs) 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 He's really smart and uh, is is very creative in his thinking and the way that he does things. So I think he's an excellent hire. Again, I I know him better. You know, Taylor Searles, you know, her father, Stacy, Yes, was former offensive line coach for mm-hmm. Matt Brown, and now I think he's uh, uh, currently on the Georgia staff as the offensive line coach, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, I've known Taylor since she was in high school, and wow. uh, so yeah, she does a great job too, obviously. And you know, uh, I really applaud Sark for for doing these uh, in-house promotions because those people have grown the program with him, and uh, it's good to see them get rewarded and them not having to bring in new personnel to, to train them and teach them about, you know, how they do things. So they don't miss a beat with those folks. Real quick question, coach. Uh, you may or may not know how this works, but I just thought about it while you were talking. When you survive multiple coaching regimes like that, right? Like John Michael Jones, you say he's around, you know, for 10 years, decades, yeah. something on the 40 acres. Do you just have, does the new coach staff decide to just keep you after studying the, the what you've done and your accomplishments, or do you have to reapply to be a member of the new coach? Like, how does that even work? Well, I'll tell you how I did. I just kept working until somebody told me not to come to work tomorrow. So <laughs> <laughs> somebody fires you, just keep showing up. I mean, now, you know, a lot of the coaches they packed up their stuff and they and I'm like, I'm gonna keep working until somebody tells me don't come to work anymore, you know. But I love it, guys, guys like John Michael. He, he was not very high, you know, in the pecking order. Home. Yeah. Yeah. So it went whenever uh, Charlie Strong came in. And then uh, Charlie advanced him. Uh, Tom Herman advanced him in. And he was a guy that, that knew the ropes, knew how to do things. Uh, he wasn't the head league guy. So I think it was uh, it was easier for, for them, for him to survive during those coaching changes. And, and, and Brandon is just – Brandon, he's just an impressive young man. Any way you slice it, he's and again, he wasn't. Uh, he didn't have a position of uh, really high on the totem pole, so to speak. 
on the staff. And so, uh, you know, Sark came in and, and kept him uh, from Herman's staff. Uh, but I think they've proved their worth. And um, I think they bought into what Tom's doing. And as I said, they helped Tom. Uh, they helped Sark get the program to where it is now. But, uh, you know, you just you just work hard and keep your mouth shut and hope they don't tell you not to come to work anymore. Yeah. Hey, Coach, it works. So that's great yeah, advice, that's right. Coach. That's wisdom from the coach right there. Coach, that's fantastic stuff, by the way. Um, let me just say this about Brandon Harris, because I remember a couple of years ago, when he interviewed with the Rams, with Sean McVay, and Sean McVay reportedly offered him the assistant quarterback job at the time, and still is, Sean McVay was one of the hottest coaching names in football, period, and everybody who was even within six degrees of separation for him, they were on a meteoric rise in the coaching ranks, and Brandon Harris turned it down. He declined it, and I thought to myself at the time, I said, man, either he knows there are great things in store for him at Texas, or... He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to coach. He maybe wants to be, and I don't know. It still could be one of them. It could be both of them, right? Maybe he knew that. Hey, I could be general manager here one day. Because Sark said I liked him from the jump. Sark said me and him vibed, and I liked him from the get go. When the boss really likes you, no matter how low you're on the totem pole, it's a good thing. There's yeah. a reason. There's a way for upward mobility there. So I think that also played a role because Sark really liked him. They saw football world the same. But the reason that only. Maybe another reason to decline an offer from Sean McVay to join his coaching staff was that he doesn't want to coach on field football. Maybe, maybe he wants to be a front office guy. Maybe this was the role that he envisioned for himself. Because otherwise, when Sean McVay offers you a job, you take it. Yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I think originally, I know when I when I was with Brandon at, at UT, he was uh, certainly wanting to coach. But I think he saw a niche there. The timing was perfect. Mm -hmm. for him, you know, with, with the NIL stuff. And, and I, I think with McVeigh, he, he rolled the dice. He did. And, uh, who's to say how it would have turned out had he taken the job, uh, you know, with McVeigh, but it turned out pretty well for him. And certainly for, for those of us that love the university, it turned out pretty well for him. No question. Uh, all right, coach. Um, I, I want to ask you about a comment Sark made. Sark said that almost all of his coaches, had uh, th there was an attempt to lure them away. Uh, they had gotten job offers from other programs, other organizations. He said almost all of them. Um, this is something that, as a first world problem, but it could end up being something that Texas has to deal with more and more. And even the short time that Sark's been here, he's had multiple coaches elevated, promoted, taking jobs at other places. This is what you want. It is a first world problem, but still, nevertheless, could be a problem keep replacing coaches uh what are your thoughts about the the, the job that sark has done building the coaching staff to the point we're already in year three um your coaches are coveted by other programs and what do you do as a coach you've had to deal with this coach what do you do when you have success and then you have to realize your coaches may want to leave and start their own journey as a head coach or uh as a as a as a higher level coach Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Seeking the truth never gets old. 
Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Yeah. Well, first of all, he learned from one of the best uh, in doing that, Nick Saban. How yep. many years has Nick, has Nick Saban had to replace multiple coaches on his staff? And not just that. The, 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 the cushion or the insulation that Sark has is that he'll never lose his offensive play caller. That's you know? true. Yeah. He's doing that. How many times did Nick Saban replace his play caller and they yep. didn't miss a beat? You know, they didn't miss a beat. So so Sark can can insul has insulated himself a little bit because we know the offense will always be in good shape with him, you know, calling calling it. Um, you know, when you start getting into position coaches, uh, you know, it once you once you get that program started with with Saban, it was plug and play. Just plug and play. I mean, they just – he knew what he wanted, and he knew the type of person. And so I think that that background that Sark had while he was with Nick will help him. Uh, he, he knows how to handle that transition. And I mm -hmm. think, you know, obviously, you know, when that happens, there's no hard feelings because you've seen coaches recycle and come back and work for them, you know, work for coaches a, a second round or whatever, you know, and – uh, I think that's part of it, and I, I obviously was never a head coach at that level. But uh, you know, I always, uh, again, thought it was a compliment to our program and to our kids and staff when somebody else, you know, wants wants to get your coaches to try to emulate what you're doing. Yep. And so, if it's uh, any time a coach has an opportunity to better himself, I always encouraged it. And um, you know, as long as he felt like he had a chance to win, that was what I, that's advice I always gave him. You know, it, it, it can be a great deal. Do you think you can win? Hmm. You don't think there's the things are in place for a coach to come in and change the atmosphere, change the culture to a winning culture. If you don't have the horses, then it's not always good hmm. to go get a coordinator job when you're position coach or go get a head job when you're a coordinator yeah. if you don't have a chance to win because it can be a death sentence, you know, because everybody wants to hire winners. Nobody wants to hire losers. Yeah, no, you're right about that, Coach. That's a great point. Uh, hopefully, that's a first-world problem Texas has to deal with year after year. Everybody wanted to uh, emulate, replicate what they're doing. All right, before we get out of here, um, I want to get into a little – this is kind of a Super Bowl uh, – it's a Super Bowl-related conversation, but not we're not talking about the Super Bowl. I know some people, they only want to talk about Texas football, and I get it. But Sark has been very open about his admiration – for the Shanahan coaching tree. Uh, he's talked about visiting Sean McVay. Speaking of Sean McVay, he's had Kyle Shanahan in. He followed Shanahan in Atlanta. He talked about them getting close while he was trying to transition that offense from that 2016 offense to his 2017 offense. And he's talked about how in the offseason he studies those offenses and he really tries to integrate some of their uh, most effective concepts and ideas within his own offense. So I was just looking at it, and there are a few. As a matter of fact, he started mentioned one of these today. Uh, not today, earlier this week, I should say, when he has media availability. Uh, one thing that those offenses do have in common is that the theory is that it was heavily influenced creatively by Shanahan after that 2017 season where he spent in Atlanta, 2017 and in 2018, by the way. Position fluidity. Um, Sark remarked that he taught all of his wide receivers how to play every position among the wide receiving group. 
That is a staple of the Shanahan system. Multiplicity, right? Movable chess pieces where you can move all these different guys, put them in different, uh, they're interchangeable pieces. You can put in different places within the formation. Uh, when Devontae Smith was asked the biggest difference between Mike Loxley's offense and Steve Sarkeesian's offense, he said the offense stayed the same, but it's not necessarily you're this receiver, that receiver, whatever the formation, where you're at, that's where you at. You can be anywhere, play on the outside. Next, you could be in the slot. I think that kind of helps us all a lot because now we can all get a feel for the inside and the outside. So even at Alabama, interchangeable pieces and having your wide receivers have position fluidity, big in Sark's offense now, um, that is a staple uh, concept for the Shanahan, staple principle within the Shanahan offense. Also, condensed formations. How often do we see Sark running condensed, compressed formations where everybody is really tight together, all right? If you go look at the Shanahan offense throughout the years, it actually leads the NFL in condensed formations, compressed sets. And that's something that Sark loves. As a matter of fact, the Shanahan offense this year averaged 19.9 yards of width per formation. I mean, that is that's that is pretty compact and it helps you out in a lot of ways It the, the defense has to play off because they might get rubbed or picked. Uh, the, the corners usually have to play outside leverage. Why would you play inside leverage when everybody's compact and compressed in like right. that? Uh, you make the DBs have to be forced run defenders. All of these are things that 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 Sark uses within his offense that also I believe that were heavily creatively influenced by Shanahan. Pre-snap motion. Uh, pre-snap motion is one of them. I think that's what you'll see more of this year. You know, Sark is big in pre-snap motions and shifts. He's about a 55 to 60% rate right now. I bet this year it, you should get that close to 70%. Hell, right now you have Mike McDaniel, the latest from the Shanahan coaching tree. He's at 82% motion rate, coach, on plays. 80% of his plays, he has motions or shifts on. That is unbelievable. And if you go look at the top four teams in the NFL with their motion rate, they're all Shanahan disciples, Miami, the Rams, San Fran, Green Bay. And Sark also, just based on my breakdown, my eye test, he started using or upping his, increasing his rates of motion after that 2017 season in Atlanta. I think he figured out the, the bonuses of leverage and being able to get guys the ball on the move, targets the motion, all while kind of following my boy Shanahan and being creatively influenced by him. So there are several of these concepts that you can you can really track, but I think a lot of them, it, they're not completely influenced. I'm sure Sark was using some of it, but I think he saw more and more advantages to these concepts once he followed Shanahan and once he realized that, there's a, there's a reason that these concepts are starting to spread behind, and that's the most popular offense in the NFL because he's gonna, you know, it's really effective. Yeah, it is. It's funny, uh, you know, back in the um, uh, what, was, what was the head coach's name for the Chargers? It was an offensive genius back in the eighties. Um, uh, I can't remember his name. Anyway, those those guys would would they would space. Spacing was everything, and your your wideouts would almost line up on the sideline, you know, and your inside receiver. Yes, difference between the 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 end man line of scrimmage and the other receiver. And it was mm -hmm. all about spacing, creating holes, yep. you know, open open grass, and and so they've they've taken that, and and that's a pretty easy concept. Just think about it. we're going to spread everybody out and create lanes and create. That's, that's pretty easy, but. It was hard for me as the end of my career, people started coming in with these condensed formations and things like that. 
And, and it was hard for me to map, map, wrap my mind around because it, it's the opposite, you know? Yes. Why would you want, I, my, and I first saw it and I go, why would you do that? Why would you want to bring more defenders in the box, you know, to, you know, to, to, to stop the run or whatever. And I, I don't like running out of it because it is, you do bring more defenders in the box, but if you ever get past, uh, you know, the line of scrimmage, you got a chance to go, to go ways. But so they've, they've got, they've had to figure out, um, ways to utilize and make it difficult for the defense. And you said, uh, what, what you mentioned about, you know, uh, DBs don't have to take away the inside anymore. Like they always did when they were spreading the field, you know, now it's, now it's all a, a leverage thing. Is it outside of leverage, inside of leverage, over the top leverage, you know, and it's, it's, it's a difficult thing. Uh, mm -hmm. Coriel, Don Coriel. Don Coriel. Yeah. 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 But, uh, but you look at how, Shanahan uses Debo Samuels and Christian McCaffrey, you mm -hmm. know, and it's unbelievable the way that that uh, you don't know for sure where those guys are going to wind up, but he's going to get them the ball in a lot of innovative and creative ways. And I see Sark doing, you know, doing the same thing. I think it, I think it is. I think it was seventeen. Was it seventeen when Sark took over as the offensive coordinator? And they wanted, the Falcons wanted him to run Shanahan's offense. Yeah, and basically, so, yeah. Yeah, he was forced into learning it. And yep. it may have been one of the greatest things that happened in his coaching career was, you know, was to develop that uh, that style of offense from him uh, seven years ago. Yep. No, that's a great point, Coach, because Dan Quinn, remember Dan Quinn was the head coach, and Dan Quinn, he's actually done a really good job hiring. I think he, the coach he just hired was Cliff Kingsbury now, right? He's trying to hire him no, as the OC. Right. Yeah. Um, because he, and this is the why, this is why Sark chose PK as his defensive coordinator. He said, I had trouble uh, matching wits with that guy. I had trouble trying to go up against that Washington defense. So I wanted that, that defense when I became a head coach again. Uh, Bob Stoops did the same thing with the air raid. He said, I had trouble defending the air raid. So I want the air raid as a part of my blueprint from then point on. And I think for Dan Quinn, you know, he, he talked about the Shanahan offense and he wanted to keep that because they were the best offense in the league the year before. And here's the tweak though. And I know we're up, up against it. So we'll probably end it on this note. The tweak for Sark when he wanted to follow the Shanahan offense was how do I follow the Shanahan offense when it is so uniquely power oriented, meaning you have power sets and power formations, power personnel packages. Shanahan runs two backs, one tight end, two backs, two tight ends on 40% of his plays. That's two running backs or two tight ends on 40%. A third of those are 21 personnel and about 11% you got around. That's your 22 personnel. That's that's those are the rates for this season. And he's always been heavily influenced by 21 and 22 personnel. But Sark is a spread guy, naturally. He's more of a spread-oriented guy. So what Sark did, he did use the 21 personnel. He just used the pony package instead of using the traditional fullback like Shano likes to use. He used Tevin Coleman, I believe Devontae Freeman, where it's two tailbacks with Atlanta. And he used the same principles that Shanahan used when he did 21 personnel 22, except he utilized it from a pony package with two tailbacks. And I will say this, and we can end on this note, this season, last season, and even the season before that, his most explosive, most effective, all right, and his most efficient personnel package is 21 personnel. I knew you were going to say that. It is. It is. You've been preaching I'm, that. I'm telling you, Carlos. that all season. Yeah, you you saw it in the bowl game too, didn't you, Coach? Yeah, ran it right, right down their throat running 21 personnel. Yeah, yeah. Sark, I'm telling you, I think he's going to use it more 
But that also, I think, is one of those staples that he took from the Shanahan coaching tree. And because, like you said, Coach, he had to adapt it. He ended up adapting and put his own spin on it. And his own spin was a pony package. And it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Yeah, one of the things that that amazes me and probably takes as much work as anything, once you decide that you want to have uh, all the pre-shift formations, uh, the motions and shifting and all that, is most most plays – are already very wordy and it's very long. And then you add, so how much verbiage do you have to add to shift three guys? And, you know, you can shift two, two or three guys at the same time if you want to, but the ball can't be snapped. They've got to be set. Otherwise yeah. you can only have one guy in motion when the ball snapped. So to be able to come up with terminology that's easy, that's easy and that's short, that doesn't, you know, take, 10 minutes to signal in or call in the huddle or whatever. That's, that's people don't realize the verbiage. You, you want to try to keep it as yeah. simple as you can yet concise so that they don't get it confused with, Oh, I, you know, did he say this or did he say this? These two words are kind of alike. And uh, so that, that's one of the things that I always found as a coach that's most difficult is trying mm -hmm. to come up with verbiage to get the point across to, to do all the deceptive stuff you want to do, but not confuse your own team. No, that's a good point, Coach. I, I want to say I read something doing Super Bowl research that uh, Shannon goes into the games with about – he claims about 30 plays. He got about 30 plays. I mix and match them differently, different formations, but I basically got like 30 plays. And I want to say when he started out as a quality control guy, he was with – initially he was with Tampa Bay. And John Gruden would go into the game with like a hundred plays. <laughs> he would go into he'd go into a game with a ton of plays. And John was like, "Nah, I need I need about I need about thirty, about thirty of those core plays." It's very interesting. Everybody's got a different philosophy on that. Um, all right, Coach. Uh, thank you so much for the time. Sorry I took so much of it, but you were on fire today, Coach. Great knowledge, and we appreciate it. Also, we appreciate our sponsor, Laura Baker. Football Theory brought to you by Accomplice Austin Realtor, Laura Baker. Laura and the Andy Allen team at Keller Williams handle all of your real estate needs in the Austin area. Laura is not only a diehard loan fan, but a longtime Austin real estate expert. Give her a shout at 512-784-0505. That's 512-784-0505. All right, Coach, thank you for the time. Appreciate it as always. Yeah, man, my, my pleasure. Enjoyed it. You take care of them teeth. Have a good weekend. <laughs> I will go. And uh, folks, we appreciate you guys out there watching and listening to Football Theory. And until next time, hook them. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.